0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts, and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to Squawk Here are your headlines today. First Republic Bank races to secure a rescue deal after a dramatic slide after its share price reignites concerns that the lender could be the next to collapse. Deutsche Bank posts its highest quarterly profit since 2023 with the pre-tax earnings of €1.9 billion hitting the tape, while the German lender sees inflows of €12 billion over the quarter. We'll be hearing from the CFO James von Mocker at 7.30 CET.
0: Metashares hit a 14-month high after the company reports its first sales rise in three quarters and lowers its expense guidance. The CEO Mark Zuckerberg doubling down on investment in new technology. A narrative has, has developed that we're somehow moving away from, from focusing on the Metaverse vision, so I just want to say up front that that's not accurate. We've been focusing on both AI and the Metaverse for years now, and we will continue to focus on both.
2: And a major blow for Microsoft. Britain's top competition regulator blocks its acquisition of Activision Blizzard, citing competition concerns with the tech giant set to appeal the decision.
0: So very warm welcome everybody, let's um, just have another look at these uh, Deutsche Bank numbers then that are just uh, filtering through as we speak. So the uh, bank reporting 1.9 billion euros before tax in the first quarter, profit um, up 12% uh, year on year then and as Karen was pointing out in the headline for you, the highest quarter since 2013, net profit up 8% to 1.3 billion net revenue growth now this is interesting because when we looked at the ubs number at the beginning of the week um, revenue was down but they're delivering here a five percent growth in net revenues up uh, 7.7 percent they say it's the highest quarter since 2016. despite business exits during transformation In line with the bank's revenue growth objectives through to 2025, net inflows of 12 billion euros across the private bank and asset management businesses. The uh, group in capital terms declaring a common equity tier one ratio of 13.6%. What I thought though is you drill down into the numbers and there are the same kind of areas that are proving challenging for some of the other banks at the moment. Fixed sales and trading revenues down 17% here. The group has also uh, increased risk provisions for credit losses to 372 million and that's a higher number than I've seen for uh, most of the other banks in Europe that we've had reporting so far and I think what we discussed with Standard Chartered yesterday again was illustrative of the very low levels of delinquencies we've seen so far in loan books at the banks but Interesting that Deutsche Bank is now provisioning at this level. Um, one other line uh, before everybody jumps in here um, share buyback. The group says it currently expects to commence buybacks in the second half of. 2023. So in the round these look like a pretty decent set of numbers.
1: Yeah I think they show and tell around just how strong the bank is going to be key at this stage. We're still seeing the wash up of First Republic that has again rattled investors this week after they put some of the banking turmoil behind them. So I think questions today are what sort of health, what sort of shape is Deutsche in and if you look at the liquidity coverage ratio that's risen to 143% a surplus of 63 billion euros. So they're putting some of these numbers out there. Net stable funding ratio that rising to 120 percent surplus of 100 billion euros so a lot in this uh, detail trying to show us just how strong they are positioned at this point the provision for credit losses back to your point i think that is interesting so they're obviously seeing some sort of turn in the cycle here that 30 basis points of average loans are the equivalent here for their 2023 guidance but the other points too, around um, what comes next where's the revenue where's the growth coming from and the bank has effectively flagged up targeted investments in technology. I think that is interesting. What exactly they're hoping that tech is going to do to the revenue picture here? Uh, coverage footprint and advisory focused business to tap additional revenue potential. Uh, that uh, I wonder if that is a nod to what's been happening in the broader banking sector with the UBS Credit Swiss consolidation story and just where they're hoping to step up the advisory business here. So just two prongs to that revenue growth story I think are interesting.
2: Uh, I, I'll just add in a point I've made once or twice before and that is the market doesn't believe the value of the assets at Deutsche Bank. And they're not alone. There's a lot of banks in Europe that trade at a lowly price to book. But the price to book is the most valuable metric cross company for seeing what the market thinks in terms of pricing compared with the value of the assets on the book. And this doesn't have the lowest um, price to book anymore in the sector because, of course, you've got Credit Suisse, which is another story. But the fact of the matter is the market has this one trading on a point Two, nine price to book. And just to remind our viewers, if it's one, the market thinks it's fairly valued, i.e. the value of the shares equals what it believes, the company believes, is the value of the underlying assets minus the liabilities. This company trades on 029 So yes, it is way above its lows of the last five years, which I think was around about five and a half euros. It trades now, I think a nine handle, about nine and a half euros. I can't even see, let's have a look. Hey again, 9.56, yeah, I passed my eye test. Um, But the point being is it trades at 0.29. So the market doesn't believe the value of the assets of this company by a huge margin. And that's, what that's the last thing I'll say about it. Yes, it's not Credit Suisse. Yes, it's in recovery mode. Yes, Dr. Herr Christian Saving and James von Moltke uh, have done a lot to turn around this institution and sort out some of those issues with the, the various technologies used in back offices and, and hone some of its exposures with great, its greatest risk. But the market still does not believe that the value of the assets is correct at this company.
0: No, and I mean, it's interesting you you were pointing to the liquidity coverage ratio. Of course, when I was on the streets in Zurich, Credit Suisse had a liquidity coverage ratio well in excess of 100 percent, but it didn't save them. Um, And I think perhaps one of the numbers that will get most focus here is just the inflow, because everybody is terrified about deposit flight at this point, aren't
1: they? that is key i think also if you just dig into the, the investment bank uh, numbers a little bit more too uh, you flagged up a moment ago the thick numbers down 17 yeah. percent they sort of fleshed this out a little bit about uh, some non-recurring parts here saying the rates revenue that was higher than the stronger prior year quarter so rates are not a bad area credit trading revenues they were lower they're saying that reflected the non-recurrence of concentrated distressed position in the prior year quarter uh, partly offset by a flow of credit revenues so financing revenues were lower. Uh, so they really just picked through the various different parts of this business. And I think it wasn't exactly the most normal environment as we, we take a look at that quarter.
0: No, which is why I think it's interesting that the, the revenue line was up rather than down here. Um, just uh, on a, a additional note on Deutsche Bank, they've launched the biggest boardroom shakeup. Since 2019, after announcing the departure of the U.S. head, uh, Christiana Riley, it comes just days after the departure of co-deputy chief executive, Karl von Ruhr was announced. The German bank's board will now consist of nine people, eight men and one woman, in what has been described as a "quote leaner" team. We will bring you Annette's interview with the Deutsche Bank CFO, James van Moltke, at 7.30 CET.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting what von Moltke has to say uh, about what's going on the other side of the Atlantic as well. Because look at this. I said to you yesterday, down 50%. I can add another 30% to that for you, for your first republic. They're looking really cheap now, aren't they? Are they? Are they cheap or are they just under vast amount of pressure? Because they can't find a buyer. Maybe, or because the equity holders are now turning around and saying, hang on, if there is a rescue by the FDIC or the Fed or the Treasury or some combination of the above as well, what's in it for us equity holders? So multiple reports say executives are trying to convince some of the bigger U.S. banks. Well, we know this. I mean, God, what have they been doing all this time? Uh, But U.S. banks to buy some of their assets uh, at above market rates? Well, that's interesting. With the caveat that this approach could be cheaper to them than uh, the resulting fees in the event that the bank fails. Uh, However, Reuters reports that some of these banks have said the strategy won't work without, as I mentioned, government support. So what's in it for the equity holder? CNBC sources say uh, government officials are currently unwilling to intervene in the rest process, which is very interesting because you've got the systemically important banks where you can imagine that the, the authority would be all over it. And then you've got the less systemically important banks perhaps as well. Officials at the aforementioned Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation are examining downgrading their assessment of the bank according to Bloomberg. I think it's fair to say that we will have to look at what we've got this one valued. Anyway, the move would curb First Republic's access to Fed's lending facility, which begs the question, does the The authorities actually think this one isn't necessary to the U.S. banking sector strength as a whole, in which case, is this one of the ones they just let go? I mean, very interesting looking at examples over the last 20 years of banks that were let go and others that were rescued as well. So uh, I don't want to be a completely broken record, but I will say to you, the three sectors we talked about yesterday are still the key sectors of today. I.e., we talked about banks, we talked about technology and uh, we talked about commodity stocks as well. So in the round... Uh, the major indices were down in terms of the Dow and the S&P. But the Nasdaq, the Nasdaq was up 0.5%, even though it's fallen net-net for the week. By 1.8%. And of course, those technology stocks reporting by and large, and we'll hear from Arjun a little bit later, very soothing on what they heard from Meta. And uh, you heard in the headlines there, they've actually returned to form on revenue. Uh, but in terms of the other sectors, well, um, let's face it, we've talked about the banking stocks already, and I'll talk to you in a minute about the commodity stocks. But the Treasuries, um, again, a bit of love for the Treasuries with the uh, yield falling to 34 Four, five on the 10-year paper. The two-year note, also seeing buying. We Look, we're below 4% on that yield, having spiked at around about, what, 4.25 last week? We looked at it. Uh, dollar, let's have a look at this one. Despite all this hand-wringing about the dollar, oh, the dollar's under pressure, the dollar has lost its golden era. Uh, we're seeing more cross-border trade from the Remembe and what have you as well. It's still trading only down one percent for the month and i and i say that because we fell 0.4 percent yesterday on the dollar index as well so it's down one percent in the round this like the vast number of column inches talking about the demise of the dollar i did want to put this one back in the wall so let's have a look at the oil price as well because a couple of days ago this one was trading with an 83 handle that's brent okay the global benchmark yeah and we had uh halima croft marbc on yesterday saying we need new players in the game well who are the new players who are gonna buy it? Look at that, it's got a 77 handle now. That is two bucks and a bit of change below where it was trading on the 2nd of April. I'm gonna bash this warning if I'm not careful, I'm just hitting it so hard. Where it was trading on the, on the 2nd, why do I care about that date? Because that was the day before the Saudis and OPEC, mostly Saudis, took off, what is it? 1.6 million barrels off the table every day. We spiked up to 87. We've lost nearly 10 bucks from the high of that Saudi move. Wow, that's big. China's reopened. They've got this GDP, which is what? 4.5% on an annualised basis in the first quarter, yeah? Apparently, yeah? The Saudis have cut production. We've got a war in Europe, which is diminishing the amount of production coming westwards. And yet we're still only at 77.91. Oh, I can hear you analysts out there. It'll go up later. It'll go up in the second half of the year. All right, well, I'm still waiting. Let's have a look at the Asian indices. Uh, Flat on the Nikkei, flat on the Hang Seng. Uh, You know what, flat across the board, apart from the ASX down, about six tenths of one percent. Opening calls for European markets. Uh, Should we have a look at them? They're coming, slowly. (laughs) <laughs> We're called mildly easier to start trading, uh, puts you down to 78.25. I want to speak to Giles Keating. Where is he? He's in my wall. Giles Keating is director of Bitcoin Swiss. Good morning, Giles. Giles, um, actually, rather than ask you about a lot of other stuff to start with, what do you, th- what do you make of what's going on in the oil price at the moment and oil stocks as well? Because it's a great metaphor. I've always thought it was a great metaphor for the underlying strength of what's going on in the global economy. Well, I, I mentioned all the reasons why apparently it should be going up and it's not. So should I be worried? Good morning to you, sir.
3: Yeah, morning, morning, Steve. I think there's a general pessimism now about where the world economy is going. You you see it in what you described about the interest rates, the bond yields. Uh, I think that's all overdone, to be honest. I don't think things are that bad. Uh, And I think there's too much worry about this problems. We've got a problem with one bank now. Uh, That's not the same as a problem across the banking sector. Uh, So I think oil is overdoing the pessimism here
2: you're saying, Charles, but what I like about oil and what I like about copper and what I like about iron ore is there is a purity about them. It is not just about the shenanigans of the speculators of the big trading houses uh, moving in and out of it. It is actually about the underlying demand. And and if despite the fact that China apparently is growing over four percent in the first quarter on an annualized basis, despite the fact that there are production cuts out there, these products are still falling. And that is, I hear what you're saying about the pessimism, and I agree to a certain extent. Things don't necessarily look so bad, I, you know, with the jobs market looking pretty strong, especially. And yet, the key commodities globally are falling.
3: I, I think after that Saudi, that OPEC move that you mentioned, perhaps the oil market became too optimistic, and and, uh, and in a sense, there's a hangover from that now. So I think it was an overreaction in one direction. It's now an overreaction on the downside. It's not completely pure, Steve, as we all know. There is an element there of of speculative holding which can kind of exaggerate the real economy moves, even in the oil price.
1: Charles, can I get to one of the other big moves that uh, traders are watching? and This is potentially around the Japanese yen. There is a view that uh, this is the last holdout when it comes to central banks over the Bank of Japan. And as a result, we could see this very cheap money that has been flowing to various quarters of the world reversed as money goes back into Japan. Just set the scene for us because we've seen a little bit of movement in the Japanese yen just in recent weeks. But still, there could be more potential when it comes to movement.
3: I think there could be a big movement coming up there. Uh, I mean, how long is the Bank of Japan going to hold on before it does move into following what every other central bank in the world has done? Um, And I really don't believe they can wait very much longer. Maybe it doesn't happen tomorrow, but if it doesn't happen tomorrow, I think the risk that it's going to happen at some point uh, in this quarter is just rising all the time. And of course, when that happens, the yen very likely would move sharply upwards. And I'm afraid there would be an effect on bond yields throughout the world.
0: Just to, Charles, uh, just to bring you back to the banks for a moment here, because I, I do think um, as we watch First Republic, And try and figure out what the rescue is going to look like ultimately for this bank or whether it just goes to the wall. It does ask deeper questions about what's still left in the banking system that is going to be problematic for valuations going forward. And Steve made a terrific point as we were talking about Deutsche Bank numbers, about how suspicious the market is about the underlying value of the loan books in these banks. In your notes, you suggest that we perhaps should be increasing our exposure to some banks. Which ones and why?
3: I I think the answer is we should increase exposure to a well-diversified portfolio of the larger banks. I think what's going on with First Republic makes very, very clear that the authorities, if they're going to do anything to help smaller banks that they regard as non-systemic they're only going to do it in a way that is likely to be very bad uh, for the equity holders, as as I think yourself or Steve said a few minutes ago. And uh, But I, uh, for the larger banks, it's not just that I think the authorities are there as a backstop. Um, it's just that I think they are highly unlikely to get into that kind of trouble. I mean, we just, I think, again, one of you mentioned it, the, the inflows to Deutsche Bank picking up I think that is likely to be very reassuring to people. Um, and, uh, And at the end of the day, banks benefit from rising interest rates. I think we're going to get another adjustment back upwards in market perception about where rates are going, and the banks will benefit from that.
1: Giles, thank you so much for joining us uh, early up on the program. Giles Keating with us, Director Bitcoin Swiss. Coming up on the show, Meta marks a return to sales growth. We're going to dig into the social media giant's numbers next.
0: And for more on the latest Deutsche Bank numbers, as well as First Republic's woes, check out the Squawk Box podcast. We'll be right back.
1: Meta shares jumped in extended trade after the tech giant reported its first sales increase in three quarters. Facebook's parent company posted over $28 billion in first quarter revenue, beating expectations. The group issued optimistic guidance for the current quarter, forecasting up to $32 billion in sales. CEO Mark Zuckerberg stressed the upside of the company's investment in artificial intelligence, as well as the ongoing benefits of cost-cutting.
0: Even as our financial position improves, I continue to believe that slowing hiring, flattening our management structure, increasing the percent of our company that is technical, and more rigorously prioritizing projects will improve the speed and quality of our work. I also believe that a stronger financial position will enable us to weather a volatile environment
1: Arjun joins us with more. Arjun, we were setting this up yesterday that it was going to be a delicate balance talking about cost-cutting revenue, but also just how far progressed Facebook meta and the like, Instagram, were into the AI universe. And there was one line from Zuckerberg that was fascinating saying they're no longer building out their AI infrastructure. To the contrary, they now have the capacity to do leading work in the space at scale. And I thought it was interesting because we know that they have been heavily invested, heavily active in AI. And now as all the trends come to the fore, they're ready for it. Yes,
4: yeah, I thought it was a fascinating quarter because you still saw around 3.9 billion dollars of losses in its Reality Labs VRAR division, but it on revenue and its profit drop was not as bad as the market feared, and that was really enough in this quarter and I think what Meta did very well as you mentioned was strike that balance of saying, well, we are still investing in these, these new areas, we don't quite know where they're going yet. Uh, AI being one of them, that links to our metaverse strategy. But actually, our core is still strong. And I think the market tolerated that in this instance. They saw um, <clears throat> that advertising remained resilient, even though uh, you've had a lot of these macro headwinds. Uh, and, of course, even after the alphabet results as well. Uh, but still, you saw uh, the company saying, we are continuing to do cost-cutting in jobs, but we are going to hire in these new areas we think are, are promising for our future. And I think uh, it was the perfect balance that, that investors wanted to hear that point yes. um, oh sorry Karen
1: I was going to put out some of the industry changes around tracking uh, that have been blocked because of Apple. That's been a real issue when it comes to eking out better returns on advertising. But the other side to this uh, story was that um, Facebook, Meta, Instagram have been able to use some of the AI tools to get better results on advertising. Yeah.
4: I mean, Mark Zuckerberg talked about how AI was powering a lot of their recommendations. And he was saying, well, 20% of the content you see in your Facebook feed is recommended by our AI algorithms, 40% on Instagram. So that's one part of the AI strategy you're seeing. So he also alluded to potential new AI products. He said potentially some sort of AI agent in Messenger or WhatsApp, so some sort of chatbot. But there wasn't further details than that. But certainly AI uh, was, was the big theme through the earnings.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.